Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another episode of the Iron Brew Podcasting Conversation Series. Brad Mel and Matt Blanchard for this one. And today we're talking to someone who was a real staple of the Scunthorpe team for a number of years. Gary Thompson, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, really well, thank you. Um, so... We're going to start off, I think we'll start off with Morecambe, because that's where you make your name for yourself. Uh, you've got quite a good goal-scoring record there, and you helped to get the club into the, into the league. Uh, so what was that like as a feeling? Because you were there for a while, so that must be quite a good feeling for you to help do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I was at the, I was at the football club for nine years. Um, so to, when I made the decision to leave, it was, it was very, 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 very difficult. Um, you know, a young lad growing up in the area, I was only sort of 20 minutes away from the football club. Living up at Kendall, so it was my my local club. I was at Preston as a as a schoolboy, and then um, it didn't work out for injuries. Kind of set me back on that, um, and then found, my, found myself at Morecambe, and yeah, ended up going into the academy and playing for the first team. I signed, I think I was nineteen, signed with the first team, and kind of just went from there. Really um, progressed into the first team, and then, like you said, just became a part of the furniture. Really, um, different different managers. Um, at the end, towards the end, before my time was there, I was there through Jim Harvey, who had given my chance, and you know I can't thank the, the man enough for, for giving me that opportunity to come in and come in and play. And unfortunately, he fell ill, Ill and, and Sammy McElroy came into, in charge, and yeah, we we had a, a reasonable kind of season, um, and then we just sort of exploded in in the playoffs and took that momentum into the final, and it was just such a great feeling. Personally, you know, I took. And there was three or four busloads of family and friends came down to Wembley, and just the whole experience of, of getting promoted was probably one of my the best feelings I've had in football, I think, and uh, and one that long remembered. And I was lucky enough in that final to score and and get an assist. So it was, um, yeah, it was definitely definitely a good standout moment for me, most definitely. Yeah, and obviously moving into League Two, you obviously had a decent season as well, and I presume that's where. You caught the attention of Scunthorpe, saw you, and um, did you feel at that time you were ready to step up to League One the, the following season after that really good first year in League Two? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have the best of starts. I think I got injured in pre season and, and missed quite a lot of the pre season. And, and um, I generally thought I was kind of catching myself up all, all the season, really, like with my fitness. But, you know, I managed to score a few goals, some important goals, um, and I got a few assists and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was weird, really. It didn't really seem to be that much more. That much difference between um, sort of non-league scene to, I think it had um, turned me into a bit more of a man. I think you know having that experience of playing in the non-league, playing at the what you'd say not so nice grounds, and you know I didn't when I got that first experience of playing in the football league, I didn't really want to let it go. Um, so you know, I dedicated myself a little bit more to football than I probably would have done in the past. I'm not ashamed to say that, um, and yeah. The, the move came out of the blue, really, to be honest. I knew I'd had a good season and I knew that, you know, there was, there was a little bit of interest there. Um, but it was more from um, sort of MK Dons. Uh, Paul Lintz had been in, in contact with my agent and I was due to meet him uh, one weekend, but I was actually on a stag do. 
And um, when I re- when I returned, we'd had a, I'd had a phone call off my agent saying about uh, coming through to Scunthorpe and meeting Nigel and you know the gaffer. And, and to be honest with you, once I met him, there was only one place I wanted to come really. And and um, yeah, the rest of the say is history, I suppose. Yeah, and as you mentioned, sign on that free transfer to Scunthorpe. As you've said uh, previously, you were. Morecambe for a long time so was it difficult you know within yourself coming to you know a new club you know a whole new set of players things like that was that move difficult quite personally in that sense yeah definitely I mean you know you come away from Kendall's only a small town probably 70 80,000 people but you feel like you kind of know everyone had a good core group of friends uh, family girlfriend um, who I was living with so and more to that obviously the football side of it you know, like I said before, you become part of the furniture, really, I think. You, you know everybody by first name, you, you feel wanted and all that kind of stuff. So I think I, I made the decision to, to move uh, purely based on um, wanting to challenge myself football-wise. That you kind of, I think I kind of outgrew uh, Morecambe in a way in terms of where I wanted myself to progress. <clears throat> and I thought that that would be more challenging doing it personally as opposed to staying at the football club and doing it with them. And I'd already kind of turned down an option to step into the league a couple of years earlier and I'd already kind of, not regretted it, but I was kind of chomping at the bit to get myself back into the, into the football, you know, to get into the football league. And the chance to progress up the league after just one season was something that I couldn't turn down. But you're right, you know, stepping into new surroundings. I, I already knew uh, Josh Lillis. So that was because um, his dad was an assistant manager at Morecambe. So that was a kind of friendly face which kind of helped making the making the change really but yeah it was difficult like I say living in a small town making that move away you know I didn't know the area at all um, so it's quite a lot of pressure on to get that side of it right because I firmly believe that if you're happy off the pitch you'll be happy on the pitch so I made that choice to move and yeah it was one that I didn't regret one bit you know as soon as I come into changing rooms the boys were all welcoming because a lot of the group had stayed together from the team that had been relegated with the introduction of myself and probably Gary Hooper and Martin Wolford I think were one I can think off the top of my head that come into changing rooms, um, but they're a welcoming group, and you know I know I had to prove myself straight away because kind of been two two leagues different to, to what they've been playing in. So yeah, it was a learning curve, but um, one that I got to grips with quite quickly, really. Yeah, you you mentioned there that you obviously joined us on the back of that relegation from the championship. How how did Nige sell you the the move that summer then? You know, it was just his it was just his desire and his ambition and, and what his forecast was for the football club. And I didn't mention this in any kind of interviews that I did once and signed, but his main aim was to get the football club back into the into the championship and he wanted to do it at the first go. You know, I remember sitting down in his in his office and he was talking about the players that they had, you know, Paul Hayes, um, you know, Grant McCann, you know, Cliff Byrne, Joe Murphy and the standard of players he was mentioning. He was like, I know it's going to be difficult, but you know, with, with the additions and the people I want to bring into the football club, I think we've got a really good chance in the addition of bringing myself in to play alongside Matty Sparrow and the players that they already had on the on the wings. And it was just, yeah, it brought that excitement and he walked me out onto the pitch and he was, you know, he was just like, you know, it's a bit of a fortress here when we get it full, we get the, you know, we get Glanford Park full, it's rocking. Um, people will find it really hard and intimidating to come here. And I just bought into it straight away. I'd had a couple of meetings elsewhere and, it was just his kind of mannerisms, really. You know, his forecast for not only myself but for the football team, and I just bought into it straight away. And I remember getting in the car with my um, father-in-law to be at the time, and I just said, you know, this is the place 
he's a guy I want to go and play for. And we just moved, you know, we made sure everything was right so that could happen. You mentioned Nigel and some of the players there, and obviously that will have helped you settle in. But what were your first impressions of the club as a whole, you know, when comparing it to Morecambe? It was a similar kind of a feel to it, really. You know, a family club. Um, it wasn't draped in riches. You know, the training ground wasn't a state-of-the-art training ground or anything like that. So the one thing I did realise was that it wouldn't be the, you know, the feeling around the club and the way the club was run was exactly in keeping with how it was at Morecambe. And I think that was what swayed me more away from sort of the MK Dons. You know, they, they had the, the new ground, the new state-of-the-art training facility. And I don't know whether that might have been coming coming from non-league, whether that might have been a little bit more like overawed kind of thing, you know, like, I don't know, it was just more of a family feel feel to the football club and and, and one that I wanted to be a part of, you know, I, I played my best football at Morecambe, you know, probably under when Sammy came to the football club and he was a similar kind of person, um, you know, self-confidence and, you know, that's kind of the, the feel of the whole football club, you know, you knew everybody in the, in the, off the pitch, you know, the, Staff in the in the in the office and all that kind of stuff. Everybody knew everybody. There was no divide. Everyone was there to do their best for Scunthorpe Football Club, and and um, that was a feeling I got from it straight away. You know, I mean, even I think I even met the groundsman on the, on that first day, and even was just like, oh, you know, it'd be great for you to have you here. And it was just the whole club was just sold in that hour and a half conversation that I had with Nigel and a few members of staff that I met at the time and when I was there, and I was lucky enough to meet the chairman as well and. What a lovely guy uh, Mr. Wharton was and you know I was just like it feels like the right move and I kind of went with my gut and, and how I felt coming out of that meeting and yeah it was all all kind of sold to me on, on that one instance really and it just felt right and luckily enough I was right on, on them instincts. Yeah it, I mean it was evident pretty early on we were, we were going to have a decent season and Nigel obviously put together some great attacking talent that season obviously Hayes was already there um, but you mentioned Gary Hooper came in, Wolford and, and yourself as well. How well did he do that summer in terms of identifying, you know, some really, really um, impressive players that, and maybe plucked them from obscurity? I'm thinking Wolford, um, obviously from York. Um, no one had really heard of him, but then obviously became a big part of the next couple of seasons, as, as did yourself, really. Yeah, I think what, I think what Nigel did was, uh, the gaffer, sorry, what he did was he, he noticed people who had... Um, Raw ability, you know, me, me and Woolley were, were strong, powerful, wide men that, that maybe he's not had before in the past. Um, in that kind of ilk, and he kind of nurtured us into goal-scoring wide men, you know, getting into the far stick and scoring goals. I apologise for the screaming, by the way. That's that's um, a little god screaming in the background. Um, <laughs> and, and, the, and, yeah, it was just, we were hungry. We wanted to prove. We had a point to prove. Um, and I think that's what, you know, Gary Hooper especially as well, we were, we were kind of he just nurtured us, you know. He knew he had the the ability in in the football on the football club with the likes of you know your Grant McCanns and and, um, and and Hazy, who could just turn a game in an instant with a pass or you know a goal of their own. And we were just hungry. I was hungry. I wanted to prove, you know, I, wanted, I had something to prove. And Woolley was the same. And you know, I mean, it was evident early early on, even in pre season, that you give Gary Hooper any sort of chance, he would score a goal. It was that clinical, and I've, I said it to this day. He's the best player I've played with. He just had, he was just so ice cold in front of goal. It, it was, it was frightening. The one who was, he was just so quiet off the pitch as well. He was just so unassuming. But he put him on a football pitch, and he was just turned into he was aggressive, um, and he was just built to score goals. And obviously, he went on to, to bigger and better things when he left. But he was just fantastic. And I think, yeah, I just think he knew what he needed. 
um, the right blend. And you know, me and me and uh, Matty Sparrow spent a lot of time out on the right wing, and we kind of complemented each other. You know, whatever kind of tactical game that we were going into, um, he always seemed to pick the right side. And you know, more than anything else, he give he just gave me that inner confidence that I probably never had before um, to go on and perform and use the football pitches. You kind of you know, as your playground, really. To enjoy it, play like you're playing with your friends and just simplified everything. And I think everyone built, you know, bought into that. And that's why we were so successful, I think, was just on the back of him. And, you know, there was Crozer and Barra who, you know, could see and they were genuinely great guys as well. And everything was just, everyone just enjoyed being at the football club, which you don't really see. Um, it was just, everything was just built. And I think the characters as well, you know, it's very easy to, to look at somebody and not look at, do your homework and look at the character of a person. We were all kind of similar people who wanted to impress him and wanted to kick on and, and play for the football club and play for him and play for each other. And I think that's what he, he identified more than ever in that summer, I think. Yeah, and obviously, as we've been discussing and as all Scunthorpe fans know, you know, Hayes and Hooper, it's, it's a fantastic partnership. We've talked about yourself and Morford. There's also Henry Lansbury as well towards the back end of the season that comes in on, on the wings. And I think for, I think for fans, it, one of the most important things was... The fact that when Hayes and Hooper on those rare occasions weren't scoring, we knew that there was going to be goals from other areas of the pitch, you know, from yourself and Morford, as, as we've said. Do you think that depth in the squad was a big part of why we were so successful that year? Oh, yeah, most definitely. I mean, the goals seem to come from everywhere. Like you say, if Hayes and Hooper on the, on the rare occasion over an off day, then, you know, I might pop up with a goal or Woolley would definitely pop up with a goal. And then there was Matt Sparrow, Henry Lansbury. You know, we had Liam Trotter. They were all Grant McCann, you know, who's deadly from free kicks and none more so than probably Cliffy Byrne as well when he popped up with it, you know. You know, everyone, everyone sort of shared the goals around. I mean, obviously, I know Hoops and Hazy stood out in terms of, you know, their goals per games and all that kind of stuff. But when they, like I say, on the, on the times that they had an off day, then, then we would chip in and, and help out. And that's what it was, really. I think that was what he, he found, a kind of goal threat. Um, he wanted to. He didn't want to be like one-dimensional. He wanted to find goals from everywhere. And like you say, the key to that, he recognised that we might need a little bit more. So he brought in Henry Lansbury, who's undoubtedly got bags and bags of ability. And um, yeah, it was just all down to him recognising what we needed at the right time and adding to the squad and taking away where as and where he saw fit. And the whole thing just gelled perfectly, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, early on that season, I remember we were playing some fantastic football. Um, probably some of the best football we've seen as fans at times, the way that Hayes and Hooper linked up and obviously yourself and, and others chipping in. Um, how soon that season, as players, did you think that, you know, we may have a chance of promotion here? You get a good feeling, you know, you have get a good pre-season and all that kind of stuff. I'd struggled a little bit when I first when I first signed, just due to the intensity of training, how much it had stepped up. I struggled with, with, with my knees. I had a little bit of tendonitis in my knees and things like that. So I, I didn't really feel like I kicked on as early as everybody else, which was quite disappointing. But you kind of, like you say, you kind of get into a, into a feeling, you know, that there was something there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, up until probably the 80th minute or whatever it was when Cliffy scored against Tramia, you probably just like, I'd be missed the boat in that kind of sense because... We had a fantastic season, but there were some really good football teams in that in, in League One that year. And yeah, we always felt that we if we got the opportunity to, you know, in a in a kind of playoff kind of situation that we'd that we'd do something. But yeah, it was just like you say, it's, you just have a feeling, you know it's enjoyable, you know the fans are behind you, 
Um, we knew that clubs hated, teams hated coming to us because the fans were kind of on you and so much behind us and so much against the opposition. But we knew that we, if we started games quickly or you know, not necessarily even starting them quickly, but if we were in the game, there's always a chance we could we could win. Um, and like you say, with the, with the, the squad and the depth of squad that we had, we always knew that we we'd be in most games. It's easy for me to sit here now and say, oh yeah, we knew there was going to be a feeling we, we would do something. But yeah, we knew that if we give, got given the opportunity, should I say, that we, we would be more than a match for anybody in going into them playoffs. And we'll come on to the playoffs uh, pretty shortly. But another thing that obviously happens in that season is the Johnston paint run. And of course, we get to the final. We won't dwell on the result too much, I don't think. But maybe talk <laughs> about that, that run. And, uh, and obviously, you've, you've done Wembley previously. Is that something that, helped was other players talking to you about that in the run-up yeah it definitely was yeah I mean it's an experience that you you can you can look back on and advise on but quite a lot of the boys are used to playing in them kind of stadiums you know like I mean they just come down from playing in the championship um I think William off the top of my head might have been there with York I'm not 100% sure whether that's true or not but they were kind of quite a lot of our, our squad had been in, used to playing in them kind of kind of areas but Wembley is a completely different animal, I suppose. You know, the when it, even when it's not even proper full, it's an intimidating place to go. I mean, when we played Luton that day, went to extra time, all them factors. But I think that just helps build momentum. You know, we were successful in the cup run, and that kind of you get as much as like winning. You know, it becomes a habit. Um, we were just going into every game confident that we were going to win. Unfortunately, on the day. Um, I'd, I'd had a hernia, so I, I wasn't able to partake in the game. I was, you know, obviously, obviously gutted, but 100% behind the boys that day. And I think I remember thinking it was a hot day as well, if I remember rightly, um, which obviously saps the boys as well. But I think we were just unlucky on the day, uh, more than anything else. Um, it was obviously Luton's day, and not ours. But I think it certainly helped us going back there in the in the playoffs. The lads had played there, obviously, and knew what to expect and when we went back there later on with Millwall I think the boys were um, already accustomed to what they were going to be expecting that certainly helped from that point of view most definitely Let's go on to that final day then against Tranmere and obviously um, not quite going our way in the game and you're actually on the bench for that one um, Tranmere get that goal and they're in the playoffs on the back of that um, it must have been difficult watching the clock ticking down um, with you being on the bench and, and knowing that we'd miss out on the playoffs if we didn't get that goal and that equaliser. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you ask any any footballer a game of that magnitude, you want to be playing in it, you know, because when, if you're not on the pitch, you don't have a chance of having a say on the outcome or having any input into the game. But I think I remember the game. We, I think we missed quite a few chances as well, which was um, well, there'd been certainly been opportunities for us to score, and you just kind of go, you know, it could be one of them. It could be one of them. Days to be honest, but as I alluded to before, you know the fans wouldn't allow you to just step up, you know, take the foot off the gas and just accept anything. They were right behind us, and it was almost like they were sucking the ball into the net, you know, with every kind of attack that we had. I'm not sure if it was just after Cliffy had scored. I think I had an opportunity that somehow didn't go in. I don't even know how it quite didn't go in. But when you go into them games and you and you know you only need a point, and there's a there's a tendency maybe to sit back a little bit and protect what you have. And I think that. We obviously played our best football when we attacked teams, most definitely. I think that was our best form of defence was the way we attacked. You put a ball in an area and you allow someone of Cliff Byrne, you know, who is the ultimate pro for me. Um, if he's, even if his granny was stood in the way of that ball, he would have headed her to get through it. You know, <laughs> that ball, he was just that kind of person. And I think it meant more to everybody that it was actually Cliff who scored that goal that day. 
he deserved it more than anybody else, I think. Uh, I mean, even now you see things brought <clears throat> and just the affiliation with the football club and everything that the, the man did for the football club. I think it was written in the stars that it was going to be him who would score a goal towards the end to put us into the playoffs. And, you know, it was just an amazing feeling to be on the pitch at the time and play a part in the celebrations. And then, yeah, it was just, like I say, I think it was written in the stars for, for that man to score that goal at that, that moment in time. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a massive believer in destiny and all that kind of stuff and everything's already written for you. You just have to play it out and I think none more so than Cliffy at that moment and on that day was um, it was a superb feeling when the ball went in the back of the net. One of the uh, other big decisions going into the playoffs is the fact that Andy Crosby comes on for 15 minutes in the final game and then all of a sudden he's basically thrown into the team for the MK Dons game. He's played very little football that season. So what was that? how did that decision go down as players? I mean, obviously we know as fans he's, you know, he's a great defender, he's a fantastic organiser. Do you think that was one of the uh, one of Nigel's best decisions to do that? Well, looking at it now, absolutely, yeah, course. He, he just Crosser was like you say, he didn't he didn't play many minutes. I think he might have played the odd game in the Johnson's paint, but he trained and, and trained with us and, and, and coached, obviously. So we knew, you know, my my feelings were were one of total, absolutely. You know, this it, there's nobody better to kind of come in and, like you say, them leadership qualities, his organisation. You know, he. he Although he might not have been the quickest, he put himself in situations where that was very rarely tested. Um, it just shows what kind of man he is and what kind of pro he was to look after himself. And he's thrown into two massive games or three massive games. And, you know, I think he could have quite easily got man of the match in all the games, to be honest. If he didn't, I'd be very surprised if he didn't, to be honest. So, yeah, it was never really, it was never questioned because we all, we all trusted the gaffer and, and, and Crosby himself and, and, and Baz. Ian Barcliffe and Kev Pressman, you know, we all trusted them 100%. So it was never really an issue. No, There was no kind of, oh, I can't believe Cross was playing or anything like that. No side sniping or anything like that. We were all just right. This is a team. This is a team that's going to go and do the job. And I think that's what we built throughout the season. You know, we had that. It was a special group. Um, there was no, nobody pulling in, in any different direction other than uh, one, the one of the team. There was no, individuals there was no real massive egos or anything like that um everyone was just there for, for the sole purpose of of getting scunthorpe promoted and and that's what nigel and, and everybody in the football club built we just built into everything that he said and, and and we fully trusted in every decision that he made thinking back to the home leg of the of the playoffs against mk dons i seem to remember it was quite a cagey game um, do you think it was similar to the Tranmere game in the sense that neither team wanted to lose and you know take a decent result into that that away leg or that second leg? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see, it's, you know, in, in any kind of in any playoff, I mean, the first more more so the first leg is relatively cagey because when the game's played over two ties, you don't want to <clears throat> be totally out of the fixture. Um, we all we, we knew that we could. We were a very good counter-attacking team and we knew that we were given the opportunity, especially at MK Dons. I think we'd already we'd already been and beaten them in the season um, before Christmas. Um, so we knew that we had the capabilities and we just wanted to be in the tie, I think. And, you know, they had the obvi- their obvious threats. But like you say, it's, it's, I, can't, I, don't see, I don't think anybody wouldn't have been not going into them legs being cagey. You know, we'd, we'd had the game against Tranmere and, we just didn't want to be out of the tie in any any way. I mean, obviously, you'd rather you want to be you'd want to win the game and, and have a bit of a, a a barrier or whatever, or a bit more of a 
a comfort zone kind of thing. But we were always confident going into any game at any given time we, we would win the game. And I think this the second leg especially, um, they were a good football inside and you know, to take them all the way to penalties and then obviously the drama of the penalties, I think it like I say it was written in the stars that we were gonna do it that way, I think. Yeah, and we talk about that uh, the second leg. Now I've said this before, I re- I remember you know, for a nil-nil, it, it was a really good game. You know, it was entertaining right the way up to those penalties. And of course, one of the things about that game is we don't have Gary Hooper and you fill in up top and you do really well up there. So what was what was the game plan going into that specific game and what were the instructions that you were given for that one? Um, to be honest with you, like I said before, we were quite counter-attacking the team and we like to count, counter-attack. And obviously, we might, you know, whenever Hoops was, Hoops was quick, Jonathan Fort was, was quick, myself we were quick. And... Um, yeah, basically, we knew that we get Paul Hayes on the ball, who was just the kind of master of finding a through ball or helping the ball on. It was kind of just staying the game, and if we get the opportunity to take him on the counter, then we will do. Um, and for being honest, I don't remember too much about the game, to be honest. You know, we just need everyone to give ev- absolutely everything they've got. Um, and, you know, through hard work, we'll, we'll, we'll get the result. But yeah, like you just said, you then go on to the penalties, and then it becomes a bit of a lottery, doesn't it? But mm. again, uh, I think, I know Hoops was obviously missing from the game, but we all had confidence in everybody else that whoever whoever came in, whether it be myself playing up there or Jonathan Fort or whether we just played one up front, <clears throat> we always trusted that, that, that the gaffer had picked the right formation, the right tactics, and we just had to go out there and execute them. And, and um, luckily for us, more than more than not, we, we actually went and did that. You obviously were subbed off just before the penalties. Um, how how difficult was it watching those, given you could have no more influence over the over the game? Uh, relieved in one aspect that I didn't have to stand up and take a pen. But, yeah, I mean, again, I just had utter confidence. We had Joe Murphy in that, who, unbelievable goalkeeper. And, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the tallest of goalkeepers, but the way he moved and the way he got himself around, he had every confidence that, that we would do something, and it is. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and say that. Oh, yeah, I had confidence that we were going to we were going to win the penalties. Of course, I did because I, I believed in my teammates. But it is down to a lottery at the end of the day, you know. Cliffy misses his chance, um, and then I th- am I right in thinking Matt Sparrow missed his? Yeah, we were looking at this actually because um, we're going to interview Matty Sparrow soon, and I don't think he ever scored a penalty for us. Uh, but he did take quite. Well, a hopefully, few. He didn't, hopefully he didn't take that many. Didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did take quite a few. Um, All oh, right. Well, obviously, didn't learn the lesson then. No. Um, but no, I mean, yeah, I mean, and then you know when when they when they miss and, and we win, or I can't remember which way around it was actually. Did we score to win, or did they miss first to win? I can't quite remember. I just remember it was just pure, obviously pure joy and delight, and we just celebrated, and it was you know we knew we were going. To f- going to the final and, and um, the hard work that night had obviously finished but then we knew we had a tough test ahead of us uh, going into the final so yeah it was just one of relief obviously and and then jubilation and we enjoyed it and then we prepared right for the uh, for the final. Let's talk about the final then because obviously we're back at Wembley it's pretty soon after the Johnston Paint final um, we've <laughs> talked to a number of players and Ian Barraclough as well saying that they believe that that results basically spurred the team on to basically saying we're not going to experience defeat here again uh just talking about that that day Hooper's back in um and you have to take a place on the bench how were you feeling about that given that you had played really well at NK Dons the previous game yeah, obviously obviously disappointed but you can only be disappointed for 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 so long because you know what we built into it would have been selfish of me to to have a sulk on and and uh, you know stop around the dressing room and and 
I don't want to swear, but been a bit pissed off or whatever. It's it, you've got to, when you buy into something like that, you've got to take every decision, um, let it hurt for a little bit, and then you've got to put it to one side, and then it becomes about the group and, and all that kind of stuff. And that was what Nindo kind of built, really. Of, of course, I was disappointed not to play when you when you play in the, in the in the playoffs and all that kind of stuff. But you know, Gary Uper was a fantastic centre forward and. We wouldn't have probably been where we were if it wasn't on the back of his goal-scoring exploit. So I knew once he was fit, then he would come back into the team, and it was just a decision whether or not I would play on the on the right or whether uh, Spadji would play. And you know, looking back now, what a decision! You know, he scores two on the day, and another bit of genius by the manager, I suppose. And the other thing is, you don't want to go into that game personally and and let it pass you by because you've got your head down and you you know you're upset personally. You can't the day just passes you by and, and you end up losing out. You know, and and um, obviously, obviously disappointed, but you have to put them feelings to one side. And and it, what a, what a day, what an unbelievable day. I mean, I actually was on a, one of my coaching badges with uh, Gary Alexander. I like winding up. I had a little bit of a, a taunting session with him, wound him up a little bit, and he to this day still takes it really well. Not <laughs> <laughs> he said he gives him sleepless nights sometimes because obviously. <laughs> It was a it was a, a guilt as chance really, and especially after the goal he scored um, in the first half, that that volley over his shoulder was an unbelievable strike, wasn't it? Mm. Um, but again, we just we just never said you know, never said die. We just kept at it, <clears throat> and you, you need that bit of luck sometimes. And and for us, Lady Luck was on our on our side, and then Woolley goes and bangs the winner in. So cue the jubilation, and then the realization sets in when you get home that you're going to be a pre-season and you're going to go going to be going into the championship that next season, which was. Something I never thought would be would happen to me in my football career, definitely. You mentioned earlier on that Nige, you know, that it was um, kind of said prior to the season starting that his aim was promotion and um, promotion back to the championship. What do you think it meant to the club to bounce back at, at the first attempt? Everything, everything. You know, I mean, I know how it, how how hard it is. You've been relegated to come back that next season, and and it's just so hard. Um, I think the football club did tremendously well to keep hold of. The, the core players and you know what you call probably your spine and your, your play your nucleus and, and just adding that kind of raw energy and, and all that kind of stuff and don't get me wrong I mean did I think that we would bounce back straight away I'd be lying if I said yes did I want to buy into to it all absolutely and we were just going to take it game by game and see where it got us to now actually that, that night when we were celebrating Nigel actually came up the gaffer actually came up to me and said I told you we'd get promoted and that was quite poignant really that was kind of do you know what you actually did? And it and it was through his and the football club's hard work to get the right players in, do the homework, uh, get the right calibre of person in, the, the personalities all, all matched, which is a hard thing to do when you're building a football team. But to bounce back is, yeah, it just shows the grit and determination of everybody to do with the football club. You know, there was no hangover and everyone just, you know, as soon as the season started, everyone just dug in and that was it. That season had gone. You've got to put it to bed. And uh, you start afresh, and, and that's what we did. Uh, you mentioned there that uh, Nigel had a bit of a word with you with the celebrations afterwards, and you've said how it was such a, a close-knit group. It's a brilliant achievement, obviously, to get straight back up there. What were some of the celebrations like that night? Uh, yeah, just, we, well, a, l- a little bit boozy, if I'm being honest. Um, but obviously, I think, was it nine and a half months of, of, of training and games and ups and downs? And, you know, I think it was a realisation that we'd done it. We just... It was just a great night, you know. We 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 stayed over in a hotel which had a, a nightclub in it, which I think we stayed up until the, the small hours. But luckily, it was in the hotel, so we didn't have far to stumble. 
um, afterwards. And then we were on the bus the next day back up to the um, back to Granford Park. And obviously, there was we, we, were meeting, we were greeted by the fans, and then we went off to Forest Pines. And um, yeah, I think most of that most of that day, I think was I think we stayed up right through the night till the early hours of the morning, which was yeah, it was just great celebrations. Everyone's together, you know, everybody's partners and uh, wives and girlfriends and, and kids, and everyone kind of enjoyed, obviously the kids didn't stay up all night, but. You know, just for everybody to be around and, you know, for all the wives and girlfriends to be together and, and joining because, you know, it's nice for them to enjoy it as well because they're as big a part of it as us as players. So it was nice that they got to experience um, the celebrations as well. And, yeah, it was just a right good do as you'd expect, really. And then that was kind of it. That was kind of that was kind of it, really. We I think we had one more night out, I think. And then because we were all from, oh, you know, I, I was from the Lakes and a few of the boys were from down south. and. Everyone kind of dispersed from there, really, and then didn't meet up again, I don't think, until there was only, obviously, the playoffs go right to the end of May, so everyone jets off on holidays and all that kind of stuff, so we only really had four or five weeks before we were back in, really, and then, again, you you just straight back into the hard work as soon as you walk back in through the door. Yeah, moving into that championship season then, and uh, personally, it was a decent one for you, and I think you you get nine goals. Um, Given the step up in class and the level we're playing at, would you say that's probably the best season you've had? Oh yeah, without a doubt, without a doubt. Um, again, I struggled to kind of hold down a first team place. We, we, one of my, one, obviously one of my um, attributes was my pace, and it used to get me out of a lot of trouble whether I was defending or attacking. More so when I was defending. Um, sometimes you, being a forward-thinking guy, I'd maybe switch off a little bit more than when the other team had the ball. And the simplest of instructions completely changed my thinking my thought process really and that season I hadn't really started many games and I was getting frustrated and the nearly actually went on loan to Oldham and I think it was only because somebody somebody had a knocking training on the Thursday and I was meant to sign for Oldham on the Thursday on loan and the move was stopped because obviously I was frustrated I wasn't playing I hadn't played many minutes up to that point and uh, I just sat down and had a really honest conversation with the manager and I said listen what do I have to do to get in this football team um, and become a regular and, and basically he just said it's not what you do when you have the ball, it's what you do when you lose the ball and that's your reaction. And he goes, look at someone like a Wayne Rooney or someone who's as tenacious to get the ball back as they are when they've got it. And that completely changed my outlook on on football. It was such a, such a simple thing and I took that into every single game and from there, I think I played the majority of the season from there and we were going to some unbelievable places, you know, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, all these places. And I was playing regularly. And I think more so when I scored my first goal, which was Derby. And my first two goals at Derby, that really set me down. I had a sense of belonging in that league, I think. And from there, I kicked on and I had more confidence than I probably ever had on a football pitch in that season. And I correlated in my goals and my performances, I think. And again, Hoops had a couple of injuries and Hazy was out of the team. And I, you know, I went up front and it was up front that I probably scored a lot of my goals. And felt quite at ease playing up there, really. I like the physical battle of playing against, you know, big centre-half or whatever, and, and um, I quite like them uh, them battles, and it was something completely different that I'd never really done before, really. He's played up there and played as a goal-getter, kind of a striker. And, yeah, I just really enjoyed it, and it was probably up until that point where I could say when I played it. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I got them goals. I really had a, had a sense of belonging, really. We mentioned some of those those games and like you say, two at Derby there. Uh, there's four nil at Crystal Palace. There's obviously two one against Newcastle. And like you said, these, you know, big, big clubs and you know, we're we're a very small team compared to them with the budget as well. Um was it games like that that really I, I suppose made the, the players and the team think that actually, yeah, we, we can stay up and not only that, we can actually compete with some of the best teams actually in, in the in the league at this time? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think Newcastle only lost two games or three games that season and one of them was with us. So we knew that we, when teams come to us, more, more so, you, you need to be winning your home games. It's effectively throughout the season, you need to win your home games, whatever league you're playing in. And we knew that that was a massive one to our advantage, you know. We knew that a relatively small ground in that, in that league uh, at Ganford Park and we could put people under pressure and we could be in their faces and make it uncomfortable for them and turn it more into a fight than a football game. And I don't mean to say that we were just a team of scrap because we had undoubted ability in there, but what definitely stood in our favour was that the intimidation factor that we had at Blanford Park. And, you know, I think it was due to that and, and then results away from home, like you alluded to, you know, Fauna at Derby, Fauna at Crystal Palace. I think I was right in thinking that we won 1-0 away at QPR, which I, I managed to score in. So we had some really big results away from home as well, which, which kind of helps when you're going into a home game. You can pick up them results, you know, one or two of them a month and you still have a consistency at home, more than likely you have a positive season. And like you say, with the budget and the size of some of the squads in that league, I think it was a phenomenal achievement for us to stay up that year, absolutely. Another crazy game that season was the, um, the Swansea away game in the Carling Cup. And uh, I think there are three men sent off on the night. Uh, you obviously played in that one. How was that to play in? Because obviously it's not something that happens every week. And I remember, I, I didn't actually go to the game, but I was listening to it on the radio and there was a kind of a feeling that they were actually trying to throw the game in the end. Um, did, it, did it feel like that as players? Um, not so much so, no. You get kind of, you get just drawn into the game and I must admit, a couple of times I did stand and go, how many players have they got here now? Because I wasn't actually 100% sure on the rules myself. From playing in the game, it, it didn't really feel like they were trying to throw the game. Now, looking back, obviously, three cent off, they might think they probably were, but during the game, I didn't really feel like it was. But it was like you say, it was such a mad game that you just kind of like every every sort of half an hour there was a play getting sent off. The manager used to he used to, he used to have a saying which was stay in the green, which basically meant going to the red. Obviously, you've lost your head a little bit and your emotions are taking over. And he, he was I just remember he must have shouted stay in the green about a million times that game. And yeah, we just managed to keep our heads, I think. And it was just, yeah, it was just such a bizarre game. 
I'd be wrong of me to say that I think they were trying to throw the game, I think. But certainly one of the most bizarrest games I've played in, definitely. Well, as you mentioned, you do become a, a bit of a regular in the team and you are involved for pretty much the rest of the season. Uh, we've talked about some of the goals that you score, but do you have a favourite one from that season or maybe even just a favourite game in general as well? Obviously the Derby game. I mean, four seasons, three seasons prior to playing in that game, I was playing in the conference. You know, so to get my first my first goals away at, you know, at Derby were were really, really special and ones that I'll, I'll remember. But yeah, I think they're all special really because we all had, there was there was a goal scored at home against Plymouth, I think, where we won two one, and that was what you'd probably class as a it was a relegation kind of six pointer, if you will, because they were in and around us, and that pushes away and gives us a bit of a safety net. Obviously, the winner at QPR, which got us three points. I remember actually they were doing a documentary on the time. I think they'd just been taken over, hadn't they? And their players in the changing room were just like, I can't believe we've just lost to little old Scunthorpe or something like that with the with the words. And that kind of spurred us all on, you know, because we were like, well, we're, we might be a little old scum top, but we've just come to your ground and beat you. So it just kind of shows you that everything is, anything is possible. But being a local guy, being from Kendall, um, the two I got pressed in, although we lost the game, I think it was 3-2. It was good to go there and score, my goal, uh, score two goals there because, again, I had a lot of friends and family there. And actually, <laughs> I know I've just named all my goals there, but I didn't realise how good my goal was against Nottingham Forest until I said <laughs> the other day. I'd completely forgot about that goal. I think it was the last game of the season. That one for was the most spectacular, I think, that, that season. But yeah, personally, I think either the two at Derby or the two at Preston, I think. Uh, and as we talk about some of those, those goals and the games, of course, we've mentioned that we do stay up and it is a fantastic achievement. I think we'll come on to Reading the game in a second. But another one that stands out towards the end of the season is uh, the 3-0 win over Bristol. I mean, any, any memories of that one? Because that, that I think that was a moment where we really thought, actually, yeah, we might do this. Yeah, I think so. There's always there's always that one fixture or that one moment in a season where you go, you know, because we knew our backs were going to be up, up against the wall, and we I think we kind of we kind of had a feeling that it might go down to the last few games, and we were looking at our running, and it was quite daunting. Uh, we look at them games, you know, Reading and Forest, and I can't remember who the team was that our last few games, but that kind of gives us a sense of belief more than anything else. We knew that when you when you're a club like you. Every, every kind of weekend you seem to be looking at the league and you need to see where you need to get to and all that kind of stuff. And, and it becomes less about how you're playing and more about the points you put on the board, which I, may, I know it might sound stupid, but we just knew that we had to be solid and we had to play from a platform that would keep us in most games. And I think that one certainly gave us all more of a belief. And not just us, the fans of the football club, I think everyone was kind of, you know, we could actually do this and, and it would be a magnificent statement for the club if we did say it there. Because I think... I can't, I can't think there was anybody else whose budget was as low as ours. I don't think in the, in the maybe Plymouth potentially. I think we were. I think we were the smallest actually. That yeah. Year. So to have the smallest budget and, and you know, I think everyone had us down as relegation favourites right from the first whistle. And I think it's always a a driving force behind everything. And <clears throat> if there was ever a moment where we needed to pick ourselves up, you know, the manager would have his, a way of of telling us that. Let's not let's not be that cannon fodder. Let's not be that fodder for everybody to just come and take bites out of us. And you want to you want to have two seasons. You want to have three seasons. You want you know you want to be playing in the championship week in week out. And it kind of spurred us all on to be honest. But that that result definitely um, gave us that inner belief that we could definitely do it one hundred percent. I think more so, like I say, not just us as players, but I think the the fans and the whole football club got behind us after that result as well. 
not saying that they weren't, but I think it just gave everybody that belief, I think. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it definitely did. Um, as you said, that nobody did really give us a chance. I think that was a common theme throughout the season, but we were picking up these results, as we've talked about. And then, of course, we do get down to that Reading game, and it's, it's of course, 2-2, and it's, you know, we're 2-0 down to start with, and it's, it's the last 10 minutes, I think. And, and I suppose, similarly, as you were saying, that it was right that Cliff Byrne was the one to do it there. I think, I think in a similar way that Matt Sparrow was the one to keep us up in, you know, getting that equaliser, that uh, sort of parallel between the two, I think, for me there. Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, walking into the football club, you know, the standing of the two men <clears throat> you just spoke about there at the football club was there for everyone to see. Both loyal um, pros for the football club and, uh, like you say, I think it was fitting that them two guys have that prominence in their club's history, you know. Uh, the game in... In general, we were disappointed, obviously, that we knew that if we got any kind of result, that we would, um, it would be mathematically impossible for anybody to catch us. And I think, you know, going till 2 0 down was obviously massively disappointing. But then when you look back at the way we've come back into the game, I think that typified what we were like as a, as a group and as a, as a team and as a, and as a club, um, you know, to, to be 2 0 down to Reading and the chance of, of um, you know, of everything that was at hand put there in front of you and it's like well do you want to grasp it or do you want to let it go, go through to the last couple of games of the season and I think everybody stood up to the test and thought the celebrations were good after the Wembley game I think that one that night was uh, even better I think we ended up in Sheffield somewhere and um, it, was a, it, was, it was just I think the relief of showing everybody and telling everybody that you know that we weren't there and that we defied the odds and it was just the pressure that we were all under that season um, was just a massive relief once we got that, that final result and then to do it with a few games to spare as well was even more poignant and even more special for the boys and, and for the and for everybody I think I think like I say everyone wrote us off so to do it with games to spare was even more appropriate for us I think Moving into the next season then and we do get off to a good start I think we win 2-1 at Reading but it is a very much a, a new look side obviously Hooper, Hayes, McCann um, Sparrow and even Marcus Williams have gone was it a bit deflating, I think, as a as a player in the dressing room, seeing that amount of quality kind of leave the building? Um, and, you know, what was the aim that season? Was it just to stay up? Again, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's obviously going to be hard when you when you lose that calibre of players because they were the backbone of the of the squad. And, you know, you, you had the goals and the creativity of Cooper and Hayes, which could be, you know, anywhere upwards of 30-plus goals a season. Um, Grant McCann, he's, you know, his set piece delivery is undoubtedly quality on the on the ball. You know, Spad, you know, the work, what he was like around the football club and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I mean, there was, there was probably no better left back at that time. One, one of them was Marcus Williams attacking full back as well. So, but yeah, but again, you just got to put trust in in what the manager was building, and we all had a strong belief. And then you, you win that first game of the season. And um, you're kind of just trying to keep that momentum that you built the season before. And then, unfortunately for myself, I got injured and I didn't really play too much of a part in that season after that. And there was quite a lot of changes, obviously, as you're probably going to go on to, is um, <clears throat> kind of become a different a different look side, to be honest. And um, yeah, but I mean, you always go into a season thinking that you're going to stay up, absolutely. And we knew that it was going to be challenging, but no more challenging than the season before, to be honest. Was that frustrating for you? Because obviously you do score on the first day and then you've just mentioned you do get your injuries and it is, it's hard to get back in the side, I think, from that. And is it hard sort of watching on, knowing that you can't really influence uh, influence the games in that sense? Yeah, there's no there's no more worse feeling as a footballer is, is not being able to 
do something that you've done for the throughout your whole life, really, which is kick a football, and that was my frustration. And it was something as innocuous as I was just getting in bed, and my groin came off the bone. Now you think about how many times I had kicked a football in my life um, to be getting into bed. It was just it was just unbelievable. I've never experienced pain like it, and I just never really recovered from it, to be honest. Yeah, I'd, lo- I'd love to say I was doing something amazing, but I actually wasn't. I was just, it was, um, I was actually was grabbing another axe. I think we were going to Norwich on the Tuesday, I think. And, and yeah, I, I didn't play for, I don't think I played for a couple of months. I had to basically, didn't go down the operation route, the surgery route. Um, all the, the specialists I'd seen said that they would, the, the groin would make its way back onto the bone itself, which I know sounds pretty gruesome, but it actually did. And then I just struggled with tendonitis in my groins from there, really. And yeah, it was just so, so frustrating. Um, especially having played in the championship the season before and, and knowing that I, I could influence games in certain situations. And yeah, it was a, a massive frustration because you you're in at different times to everybody else. You don't really see a lot of the boys um, on a day-to-day basis. You just see them maybe it's for 10 minutes before they go training and before they go home. So you don't really feel a part of it either, which is also disappointing. So um, yeah, the whole season, to be honest, was was very, very frustrating. Probably one... I've gone from probably having the best season of my career to having the most frustrating one, which is football, I suppose. You can't help the injuries. You've just got to, um, just got to get on with it and, and make, try and get yourself fit and have an input, in, impact any way you can, really. And it's just a, it was just a, a struggle that season for me to even fulfil minutes, which was very frustrating. And obviously, early that season, Nigel Adkins leave for Southampton. Um, how big a blow was that for you personally? Because obviously, you've mentioned you had a really good relationship with him. And when Ian Barrowclough came in, um, what do you think went wrong for him as as manager? I don't think a lot went wrong for him, to be honest. I, I just think that he had a massive he had massive shoes to fill. Obviously, he's, he was inexperienced as well. And I, I love Baz Barra. I thought he was absolutely he was absolutely superb. Uh, he, he recognised that I was probably struggling not being around the lads and he used to call me in and ask me questions and, you know, I helped him as much as I could in terms of just having conversations with him, basically. And and um, it was hard for him. It's You know, I mean, I know we... I know, obviously, the gaffer at the time had gone from being the physio to, to going into being the manager and I don't know whether people struggle with the fact he went from being a coach to being a manager. I, I, I don't know. The, the situation for me was completely different to the to the lads who were playing because... I was very rarely out on the training ground, to be honest. So there wasn't really that much change for me. But obviously, having that having that leader in Nigel is obviously going to be hard hard to fill because he was just so positive and he just had a bit of an aura around him, really, to be honest. And I think the people of Scunthorpe, you know, loved him for that. And it's just difficult boots to fill, isn't it? And then you, a few results go your don't go your way, and you, you potentially make a few signings. That when you're making signings, obviously you want them to to come in and, and hit the ground running and. Maybe a couple of them didn't do that, I don't think. And, and ultimately that fell on, on Barra's head, which is what happens when you take the reins, unfortunately. Um, I don't think it was any, any, anything against Barra. I just, think that, I just think the timing of it was, was maybe off for him at that moment in time. Yeah, you've talked about some of those signings coming in not quite working out. We, we actually spoke to Michael O'Connor quite recently and he said something very similar. And he also said that the team dynamics changed quite quickly and and that the dressing room wasn't necessarily a good mix now and that you know maybe there were some players with egos in the squad was that your impression as well did you get any get any idea of that oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean I, I, like i said like i said to you before i think the the biggest thing that uh, nigel got right was the was the characters he brought into the building and then when you start to deviate away from that 
But I understand why, how it could happen. You know, people need a quick fix and the due diligence you do when, you, when you're looking for a player, you might ask three or four people's opinions on somebody. But if you don't have that and you need to fill a void or you need to find quick answers, then sometimes that goes out of the window. And, I, and, you know, I've seen it before and it can happen. That's no reflection on, I don't think it's any reflection on Barrow or anybody else. I just think certain people just didn't fit into, you know, it just didn't fit for whatever reason. It can become frustrating. And when you're down there struggling and you're losing games, um, you know, everything's kind of aired, isn't it? You know, you can't paper over the cracks that a win sometimes might bring. And then it becomes more and more difficult. And you, and you find yourself chasing your tail a little bit. And that's what happened. And I think we had quite a number of players that season. Um just trying to find that quick fix, which unfortunately for us uh, that season didn't come. Moving into the next season, then obviously Alan Neil comes in at the end of end of the championship campaign. Um, we're back in League One. What was the aim that season? Was it trying for the playoffs and promotion again, or was it to kind of just stabilise in in League One under Neil? Yeah, I think it was stabilised. I mean, obviously the, the amount of the, the, the team had changed. You just want to find a bit of stability, really. You know, you want to find a consistent kind of. 14, 15 players that were going to play in and out. I, I mean, I I knew right from the first goal, from the word goal, from pre-season, that it was going to take me a while to get back up to fitness because I'd been out for so long. And that was pretty evident in the running that we did that I was I was finding my feet, getting myself back into it. It was going to take me a while. I don't think anybody envisions it was going to be a struggle to the, to the level it probably was. Yeah, I mean, nobody went down and thought that there's even a possibility that it would be back-to-back kind of potential for there to be back-to-back relegations. I don't think that entered anybody's mind. But he had a different way of doing things and, and you know, people had to buy into that and it maybe took a while for people to do that. So, yeah, that's all I can really say on it, to be honest. Yeah, you mentioned there's a different way of doing things. I think Alan Neil was probably known for his passing football and he did try to get us to play the right way. And I think early on in the season, especially the opening day at Wickham, you know, we did play some nice stuff, but we only did get the draw. Do you think uh, a part of it was when it didn't work out, when that passing football didn't work, there wasn't really a plan B? Yeah, possibly. You can say, you could say that, yeah. I mean, like I say, he just wanted to get the ball down and play. We had some brilliant footballers, you know, Mark Duffy. I mean, look what he wanted to achieve. Brilliant footballer. Uh, Michael O'Connor, you, you said before, Great footballing people, but like you say, we didn't have a plan B. Did we have a big man we could throw up on up top potentially, or change change the formation or something like that? Probably not. And them games where, you, like you say, you might need a plan B or even a plan C for that instance, um, didn't really seem to have it. So if we didn't football a team and be taking the lead, then in some games we really struggled. But it was it was all about getting the ball down and playing and and and. Um, as much as the boys love that, because everybody wants to have, be in control of the football, sometimes, you know, like you say, you just need a plan B to, to go, you know, like it's not working today. Obviously, the pitch changes. The pitches change around winter time, and you can't get the ball down and play, and that becomes a frustration because you're trying to play football on pitches that aren't, <laughs> at that moment in time aren't designed to be playing on in that, in that sort of aspect. But, yeah, I can see where we, we fell foul of a couple of, in a couple of the games and all that kind of stuff, but, it's all a learning curve, I suppose, isn't it? You, you just find the players you have, and then you try and build a mould around what you have, and then and then add to it as you as as you see fit throughout the season, I suppose. Just how, in general, how did you find playing under Alan Neil, and what what was your relationship like personally? It wasn't a great relationship. Um, I think you'll, I think if if you got him on the phone, he'd probably say the same thing. My issue was always 
But when I was injured, when he came in at the end of the season, um, I'd been off. Um, I'd been for an operation, and I had to ring him to introduce myself, which I thought was a little bit. Um, I thought he would have taken the time, especially having played under you know under Nigel and, and Barra and how much they took everybody personally and, and knew everybody personally. I just thought to go from that to go for someone who didn't even give me a ring to see how I was, knowing fine well that was one of his players, kind of got off on a bad on a bad foot for me. Um, but then I understood his frustration as well, and he and he openly said, you know you're not paying back what you're getting paid, if that makes sense. You kind of just pick picking up a wage and you're not playing, which is quite hard for, to, to hear, especially when you know you've been injured and you know you're struggling to get fit. I knew it was going to take time and didn't really feel like I got given the time uh, at the first instance. So we were, a couple of times we were at loggerheads a little bit and it was the first time I'd ever really found that with the manager that I found I had to fight my corner more than what I normally would do because you know I always had the backing of the manager and I sometimes felt like I didn't really have his backing. Um, which is a frustration because I knew that when I was fit, I'd have a, uh, I'd be able to have a, an input into the, into the thing. And yeah, there was a couple of things that season. One, just that there was potential things that I, I'd been told he'd said in the press, and then we'd had a couple of arguments. And it always seemed to be more negative than positive of him, really. So in the end, you just have to turn around and say, "Well, I just need to get home and do my job, and and everything else that comes along with it. You just got to kind of deal with it as and when it rears its head, I suppose." So I wouldn't say it was the most smoothest of, of relationships, but it was um, it wasn't you know I've seen far worse and all that kind of stuff. It was just sometimes we, we butted heads a little bit, and that's just how it was, I suppose. A few players had bust up through the fans that season. I'm thinking Bobby Grant was definitely one, um, and I think you were getting a bit of stick at one stage as well. Um, we were a bit disappointed, given obviously the season before when we were relegated. We've already kind of spoken about you didn't have much of a part to play and um, with your injuries and things like that. Um, did you think that was a little bit unfair from the fans at that, at that time? I'm thinking back to the Walsall and, and that celebration. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you hear things. I mean, um, listen, I know more than anybody else, you're not going to have 4,000 fans and they're all going to be Gary Thompson fans. That's just the way it is. Um, sometimes you hear the negativity more than the positivity and, I'd, I'd heard things about people saying that I was overweight and all them kind of things. And, and I think it was just a reaction to, to that, really. I think that, especially the Walsall kind of um, celebration. I think one thing is that everybody knew that whenever I played a game for Scunthorpe or any of the football clubs I played a part in, I always give 100%. Always give 100%. And um, yeah, that was more of a disappointing factor that. But it, but again, it's a realization that people, fans, pay money. They're entitled to their opinions. I just I just thought that sometimes it went a little bit too far. But it takes a lot for me to get riled up, and less so for Bobby. I think so. I think I think you'd have to ask Bobby what his um, problem was. But I don't think he, <laughs> he just reacts so quickly off the cuff like that. I'm a bit more a bit more chilled and stuff like that. But you know, when you're trying to give your all for the football club, and then you still getting negativity and, and stuff thrown at you is sometimes it just becomes a little bit hard but it is what it is it's football you know you've got to be you've got to be thick skinned and you've got to take these things on the chin and, and get on with it really and I think it was probably just a momentary lapse on my part and it was a bit like you know just a bit of a silly celebration really it was, there, was no, there was no malice in it meant from my point of view but it is what it is I suppose so obviously we do stay up that season uh, comparatively it's it's not an achievement that's I suppose 
uh, as regarded as the one uh, the season beforehand, because as you said yourself, we weren't really expecting that we were going to be in that relegation, you know, any danger of that. Um, you score a few goals towards the end of that season. Parkin also comes in and scores a few. We've talked to him. Uh, you get released that summer. Now, was there any ever talk of a new deal or, you know, did you want to leave at the time? We, there, we certainly know a lot of players left when at the same time you did. And we think, you know, there was a lot of talk of budget cuts at the time. What was the whole sort of situation regarding that? I mean, to be honest with you, I had a conversation with him and um, I, I kind of I kind of got to a point where I knew that I, I couldn't stay at the football club if he was going to be the manager there because it was quite evident that we didn't get on. But not at any point did I get offered a contract. I also didn't ask to leave either, um, which is something I did read. And I actually bumped into... I was, I was doing some training at the ground after it had been released that I said I'd asked to leave and I can state right now that I never asked to leave I never got offered a contract I got told that I was um, I was being released so I don't know why that ever reared its head I have no idea where that came from which which kind of made my decision as well because to, to read that and it, this was another thing that I kind of confronted the gaffer about was just like well how are these things getting published the thing that you're saying it and, and when I ask you about it you say it's not you like how can how can you kind of play and trust somebody when these things are coming out of your mouth, apparently? Um, but yeah, I just got told that I think there was 11 or 12 was that season that were being released and, you know, the, the reasons were budget cuts and going down a different path and all that kind of stuff and all the things you kind of told. It's never a nice job to tell somebody that you're getting released, but all them permutations were brought up and, and we told them and, and it was like, right, you know, it was disappointing, obviously, because I loved being at the football club. I uh, love playing for the football club, but it's football. You, you kind of you have to move on, and and um, and yeah, that's what happened really. But yeah, I was never offered a contract, and it was disappointing to to hear that I'd, I'd asked to leave when that categorically did not happen. I think we'll just wrap up with um, just talking about a couple of the other moves. Um, obviously, you moved to Bradford, and I think they were interested in you prior to the move to Scunthorpe. Um, let's just talk about that cup run because obviously you had a great cup run there, beat some big teams. Uh, on the way to um, the Swansea game. Um, you score against Arsenal as well. Uh, how was that? Yeah, another career highlight. You look at the calibre of team we were playing against, I think they'd been assembled for about, I think it was about £160 million or something like that. And ours was about 7500 So it was proper David v. Goliath kind of stuff. And yeah, really, you just kind of, you take all the negativity that comes with how they were acting. I think Arsene Wenger made them or wanted them to get changed on the bus because they, they, apparently the change rooms were too small. Um, they wanted the game called off because the pitch was slightly hard. So you look at all them kind of things and you just think, these are things that we can use. They don't really fancy it. And if we can, you know, get after them early doors, you, you never know what's going to happen if you can grab an early early goal. And luckily for me, uh, the ball's fallen to my feet and I've managed to get a good contact on it and it's gone in. And the fact it was a full house as well, I think it was 26, 27,000. It was just, hairs on the back of your neck kind of thing and it was kind of surreal that you've you've scored in a game of that magnitude really but we had a few of them in that, in that season you know I'd managed to score away at uh, Watford earlier on in the in the cup run which um, put us into the next round so that was an, another good goal and then the two legs over Aston Villa and you just kind of think well you know our, our name's on the cup kind of thing really obviously it wasn't meant to be but it was just like I alluded to like I said before about the about gaining momentum like we did when I was at Scunthorpe and, and the cup run for the Johnson's Paint. It's exactly the same situation with, with Bradford and that. It kind of 
spurred us on in the league and give us that opportunity to go back to Wembley and, and you know, nobody wants to go twice in the season and lose and it kind of drove us on to bigger and better things. But yeah, it was just going back to the cup fight, the cup run, it was just, it was just unbelievable, something that um, I'll cherish for as long as I, as, I, as I always talk about football. It was just absolutely spectacular to be a part of and yeah, it was unbelievable to be honest. Another club that you is quite important in your career is Wickham. Of course, you look up with Paul Hayes again there. Uh, and again, we talk about uh, the Cups. You know, you're involved in that 4-3 against Tottenham. They play a good side. I think Hayes gets two that day uh, that day as well. So, again, that, another success in the Cup, really. What, what was that like, So being at Wickham, being back with Hayes and then in, in that game as well? Yeah, it was, it, was, it was great to link back up with Paul. We became good, really good friends when I was at Scunthorpe and... Um, you know, um, to link back up with him, we, uh, I moved over towards where he lived, and we travelled in together every day. And you know, he had a big part in me making the making the move down there. And again, actually, lead when you're talking about the the final at Wembley, and I didn't actually start the game, and I was I was I was furious that day because I'd, I'd played in the cup the week earlier against Millwall and scored a couple, and I was frustrated I hadn't started. But then, obviously, absolutely overjoyed that. You know, one of my best friends in footy and, and that scored two. Here's his two goals where his penalty and then his, his left foot volley were something special, really. I think they were a gift from the footballing gods, especially his left foot volley because I, I didn't see him score many goals with his left foot. I think it was just for standing on. But again, just right place, right time, really. And you know, Westy's put a great crossing and I managed to go and cheer the celebrations. And it was, you know, they'd gone down to 10 men and we were just like, that's the game done, I think. We, I, think we, I think we could win this. Massive, massive cup upset. Unfortunately for us, you know, Delhi Ali and then Son scored, so <clears throat> which took the tie away from us. But again, just another memory that I'll I'll cherish for as long as I live. Really, it's just something that nobody can take away from you. And uh, to have that feeling and scoring in front of that many people in a game of that magnitude was something really special. And then, obviously, recently um, you've had a bit of a stint as manager at Bradford Park, haven't you? Um, you only managed a few games there, and then then you were sacked. Um, what happened there? Again, as I was saying, probably about Barrow, I think it was um, Barrowclough. Um, it was just timing, really. We'd gone into the football club, who's an American owner, and a guy called Damien Irvin, who was I met at, when I was at Notts County during my spell there, and then again at, um, at Wickham. And um, yeah, I mean, massive could, uh, budget cut. Um, they told us the kind of direction they wanted the football club to go in. They'd let the whole of the first team leave basically so it was probably 14, 15 players and they only had two players signed on and they basically said that they wanted to become a feeder club you know they wanted to get young players in from you know the bigger football league clubs uh, build relationships with academies and and basically we just built a squad out of next to nothing really um, but we got told that we'd have the time to do that you know, they were paying players four or five hundred pounds a week and we were getting probably a hundred pounds a week to spend on players. So you can imagine that the, the kind of people who had met in football, the, the areas you kind of had to go to, you had to go to the, you know, you had to go to youth. And we had a, being honest, we had a really good pre-season. Um, we then got beat 5-0 at Curzon Ashton the first game of the season where it was never a 5-0 game, to be honest. It was just one of them ones that, we didn't take our chances when we had them at nil-nil. It could have been a completely different story. But we had a few players out. I sound like a manager already, don't I? Making it. <laughs> and uh, and um, it just wasn't our it just wasn't our day, to be honest. Um, a couple of lads froze, but that's what happens when you have young players. You know, I said this all along that when we were picking the squad and we were building the squad, we needed experience in there to help out. 
um, you know, just a just even just a, a spine of older players because we were looking at 18, 19, 20 year old players who've just played football, academy football, they haven't played men's football really. So it was really, really difficult. But we got told we were being backed and, you know, and they were loving what we were doing. And, and then we go into a game against uh, Geisley on a Tuesday. And again, it was just a completely different class in terms of it was men against boys. We got dominated there really. Every time the ball went in the box, you thought they were going to score. And again, we got beat 5-0, which was never, again, probably it, it should have been more, to be honest. We, we were, it was like, it was like playing against an academy team. It, we, we were like an academy team. That's exactly what we were like. We had no real, no real grit or anything like that. And we just all we kept asking was just for a little bit more money, just to help out. And um, they made a decision at the you know after that game on the Thursday, I think it was, to to go down a different path, which was disappointing because we thought we had we thought we built something out of basically out of nothing, and we followed every guideline, every everyone that they you know every kind of thing that they'd asked us to, to meet, um, we'd done that. Uh, we just weren't given the time. And then unfortunately, the, well, for us, the next manager was then given a bit more of a budget. But I think the secretary at the time, or the managing director, Damien, he'd, he'd been at loggerheads with the owners. And I think because we kind of got brought in under him, I think, I think we kind of fell on his sword as well. So it's frustrating, but... Certainly enjoyable in terms of organising a pre-season and, and taking a pre-season and, and you know, going to watch games and speaking to academies and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I, sp- I spoke to Tony at Scunthorpe quite regularly about players, and it was enjoyable. That certainly hasn't just dis- you know dampened my my spirits in terms of wanting to be wanting to do it again. Um, I absolutely love the coaching side of it, and it was just unfortunate, like I said, that the time was a little bit off and it wasn't for us at that time, but. I've got my own academy back up in the lakes, uh, which is going, well, was going from strength to strength until until the COVID uh, stuff's happened. But it's um, coaching is definitely something I enjoy and love passing on my experiences and and you know helping the next sort of generation of come through. So that's certainly something that I'm turning my hand to. And like I say, as an academy, we've, we've, we're growing, we're growing and growing and growing, and and um, yeah, this turns into its own animal now, really, to be honest. So it's. Certainly, certainly enjoyable, and like I say, you have little blips, but you got to bounce back and using his experience and as a learning curve, and that's what me and Sean, my business partner, that's what we'll take from it. I think more than anything else. I think just one last one to end with. Then, uh, looking back on your time at Scunthorpe, can you maybe just sort of sum up what the club has meant to you and and how it has impacted you on in terms of your career in as a whole? Oh, the club's had a massive impact in my life. You know. Um, it gave me the ability to express myself more than what I thought I was going to do and, and it gave me the, the ability and the confidence to, to go from playing non-league football to playing in a championship. You know, I mean, I think I've played, I played my best football at, at Scunthorpe in that championship season without a doubt. Um, you know, and I just think everything that the football club gave me is something that I use moving forward. You know, how, how to act with people, um, you know, a footballer is not just a footballer, he's got a wife and a family and you've got to take all of them into consideration. It just makes you makes you realise that, you know, football and family, you know, your family always comes first. But the football club has set me up and, and, and turned me into the person I am now, really, you know, all the good points that Nigel as a manager and all that kind of stuff, you know, the positivity I take into every single day. Uh, to this day, you know, just got to be positive and, and, and forward. 
I just think back to that day where I met him where I come back from that stag do and I had a couple of black eyes and he just looked straight and he wasn't really he wasn't bothered. He just wanted me as a footballer to go and play football for Scunthorpe and you know I can't thank him enough for putting his belief in me that I would turn into the player that he thought I would do and I can't thank him enough for recognising that and bringing it out of me really. Well, I have really enjoyed this episode. I'm sure our listeners have as well. Uh, Gary Thompson, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thank you, Brad. And cheers, everybody, for listening to this. Um, we'll see you on the next one. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 